Have you seen drool? I asked Taster, who sat at the table staring sadly at a bread trencher, laid out with cold pork, the king's dinner. He was a thin, sickly lad, chosen no doubt for his weakness of constitution and a predisposition toward dropping dead at the slightest provocation. I liked to tell him my troubles, sure that they would not travel far. Does this look poison to you? It's pork, lad. Lovely. Eat up. Half the men in England would give a testicle to feast thus, and it only midday. I'm tempted myself. I tossed my head, gave him a grin and a bit of a jingle on the old hat bells to cheer him. I pantomimed stealing a bit of his pork. After you, of course. A knife thumped into the table by my hand. Back fool, said Bubble, the head cook. That's the king's lunch and I'll have your balls before I let you at it. My balls are yours for the asking, milady, said I. Would you have them on a trencher, or shall I serve them in a bowl of cream like peaches? Bubble harumphed, yanked her knife from the table and went back to gutting a trout at the butcher block, her great bottom rolling like thunderclouds under her skirt as she moved. You're a wicked little man, Pocket, said Squeak, waves of freckles riding on her shy smile. She was second to the cook a sturdy ginger-haired girl with a high giggle and a generous spirit in the dark. Taster and I often passed pleasant afternoons at the table, watching her wring the necks of chickens. Pocket is my name, by the way, given to me by the abbess, who found me on the nunnery doorstep when I was a tiny babe. True, I'm not a large fellow. Some might even say I am diminutive. But I'm quick as a cat, and nature has compensated me with other gifts. But wicked? I think Drool was headed to the princess's chambers, Squeak said. Aye, said Taster glumly. The lady sent for a cure for melancholy. And the git went. Just on his own. The boy wasn't ready. What if he blundered, tripped, fell on the princess like a millstone on a butterfly? Are you sure? Bubble dropped a gutless trout into a bushel of slippery coffishes. Chanting off to do my duty, he was. We told him you'd be looking for him when we heard Princess Goneril and the Duke of Albany was coming. Albany's coming? Ain't he sworn to string your entrails from the chandelier? asked Taster. No, corrected Squeak. That was Duke of Cornwall. Albany was going to have his head on a pike, I believe. Pike, wasn't it, Bubble? Aye, have his head on a pike. Funny thing, thinking about it. You'd look like a bigger version of your puppet stick there. Jones, said Taster, pointing to my jester's scepter, Jones, who is indeed a smaller version of my own handsome countenance, fixed atop a sturdy handle of polished hickory. Jones speaks for me when even my tongue needs to exceed safe license with knights and nobles, his head pre-piked for the wrath of the dull and humourless. My finest art is oft lost in the eye of the subject. Yes, that would be right hilarious, Bubble. Ironic imagery, like the lovely squeak turning you on a spit over a fire, an apple up both your ends for colour. Although I dare say the whole castle might conflagrate in the resulting grease fire. But until then we'd laugh and laugh. I dodged a well-flung trout then, and paid Bubble a grin for not throwing her knife instead. Fine woman she, despite being large and quick to anger. Well, I have a great drooling dolt to find if we are to prepare an entertainment for the evening. Cordelia's chamber lay in the North Tower. The quickest way there was atop the outer wall. 
As I crossed over the great main gatehouse, a young spot-faced yeoman called. Hail, Earl of Gloucester! Below, the grey-beard Gloucester and his retinue were crossing the drawbridge. Hail, Edmund, you bloody bastard! I called over the wall. The yeoman tapped me on the shoulder. Begging your pardon, sirrah, but I'm told that Edmund is sensitive about his bastardy. Aye, yeoman, said I. No need for prodding and jibe to divine that prick's tender spot. He wears it on his sleeve. I jumped on the wall and waved Jones at the bastard, who was trying to wrench a bow and quiver from a knight who rode beside him. You whoreson scallywag, said I. You flesh-turd dropped stinking from the poxy arsehole of a hair-lipped harlot. The Earl of Gloucester glowered up at me as he passed under the portcullis. Shot to the heart, that one, said the yeoman. Too harsh, then, you reckon? A bit. Sorry. Excellent.